Hey everyone, I'm not going to say who this is, or <laughs> we'll say it's Matt Dixon from Tether. I'm joined by Ted McKenna, my intrepid colleague. By episode eight, you surely know our job titles by or now. Or just so find we're... us on LinkedIn too. We're, <laughs> find the, we're us there. On LinkedIn. Yep. Yeah. By the way, you know, that's a great point, Ted. I always tell people this, and I'm remiss for not having done it. But um, Ted and I love being connected with any of the folks who listen to the podcast, read our blog posts, attend our webinars. Let's just be connected if you want to keep the dialogue going. If you have questions like, hey, I listen to the podcast, but here's here's a thing I've been ruminating about, or here's a follow-up question I have, then reach out to us on LinkedIn and we'd be happy to uh, to address your question uh, or concern or just you know be connected and keep the keep the discussion going. Um, but let's let's jump into pillar uh, number two here. So this is episode eight of customer effort through an AI lens. So thank you for joining us. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the journey thus far. And we're on the second pillar. Um, which is about next issue avoidance. Now, um, what I'm going to do is recap a little bit of uh, what we found in the research. Uh, Ted, then I'm going to throw over to you because we've done some really interesting analysis at Tether around the problem that we're really talking about here, which is the problem of repeat contacts, which in layperson's terms is when you got to call back you know, two, three, four, five times to chase down an answer to your problem. Um, and so we've done some recent uh, analysis there uh, for some specific companies that that'll be interesting to share, and and candidly, again, in in the theme of this whole podcast series, stuff that is possible today that you know with AI and machine learning that simply wasn't possible just a few years ago. Uh, so it's pretty fascinating stuff. And of course, we'll talk about okay, what did we learn? What do you go do about it? Let me recap though from the from the book. So um, one of the big drivers of customer effort, in fact, uh, the biggest driver. Um, while we talked about channel switching before. Um, and in the modern era, it might be that channel switching has trumped this next one, but it turns out uh, the biggest one back when we did the original research was actually repeat contact. So again, when your customers got to reach out to you over and over again to chase down an answer to their problem was the biggest, statistically speaking, source of customer effort, the biggest driver of customer effort. And uh, what we found specifically is that you know a lot of companies get really focused on a metric called first contact resolution. So they're trying to understand um, did our agents solve the customer's uh, issue in one contact? And what's what was interesting in the data, and any of you have heard me present on the effortless experience will know this, that um, while companies think they do a pretty good job here, I think it's about 75% of the time that most companies think they get the customer's issue resolved in one contact, customers, those same customers from those same companies calling about those same exact issues only give companies about a 40% success rate. So it's kind of a conundrum, right? It's like, how, why do customers say at the end of the call, yeah, you fully resolved my issue or uh, no, there's nothing else you can help me with. Um, why do they give us uh, you know, a check mark on the survey or high marks for solving their issue, but yet then they report that we only get it right about 40% of the time and they're forced to repeatedly contact. What's going on here? So we actually took a little bit of a different angle on this problem. We, we sidestepped the whole question of why do companies fail at first contact resolution, which certainly is something that companies fail at, uh, from time to time, we asked a slightly different question, which is why do customers call back? So we kind of took a step back. Um, and what we realized was that callbacks fell into two flavors at the highest level. Um, you had callbacks that were a function of um, what we call explicit issue failures. So this is quite literally customer calls in and we didn't solve their issue. And this we know this happens, right? It happens because of human error, happens maybe because we have a new rep who, who's never heard this issue before, it doesn't know how to solve it. It happens because the systems are down, right? I called up and, sorry, I, we, you know, they're rebooting the whole system. Can you call back in 15 minutes? Um, so it, it, explicit issue failures. 
And when we think about most companies, when you talk about trying to solve first contact resolution or drive it to a higher level, most companies are laser focused on solving that set of things. So, you know, eliminating human error through better knowledge base investments, training and coaching, performance management, systems that stay up, you know, five nines of the time, et cetera. But there was a whole second category of callback drivers. And those we call implicit issue failure. So what's an implicit issue failure? It's when we solve the issue the customer called in about. And at the end of the call, they say, yes, you fully resolved my issue. And no, there's nothing else you can help me with. And I'm going to give you a good market survey, but they call back anyway. Um, and the reason Ooh. they call back is uh, something that's, it's not because we failed to solve their issue. It's because we failed to solve the issues surrounding that issue. So I'll give you a couple examples here. One is... Um, uh, downstream or what we call in the research adjacent issues. So imagine customer calls in with issue A, like let's say I'm, I call in, I'm, I've got an error message on my uh, on my device, on my computer, and I call up uh, to technical support and I get uh, a solution. Uh, I'm told to download the latest software patch. So I do that, but then I get another error message because now this new software patch is not compatible with something else or it's, it's causing something else to go haywire. So I have to call back. Now in the company's calculus, those two calls about the original issue and then the downstream issue, that is two instances of first contact resolution. In my calculus as a customer, those two things are related. And they, the company should have known it was going to cause this other problem. And now I've had to call back twice about effectively the same thing, which is how do I get to a computer uh, experience that doesn't have error messages? Um, and we should mention from a QA perspective, there are few measures that are easier to game than that notion of oh, call yeah. resolution, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. I only ask if I fully resolve the issue. <laughs> if right. I, as an agent, am pretty confident that you're going to say yes. Yeah. But of course, that also misses all those implicit situations too, when the customer calls back anyway. And so yeah. there's a lot of noise in that whole notion of if you're, if you're just measuring first call resolution based off of that question and that answer you know, in the interaction. Yeah, absolutely. By, by the way, it's the same same experience I have at my car dealership when the only time they ask me to fill out the survey is when they know. I <laughs> yeah, right. Sometimes, it, like, in fact, this happened to me two months ago. The guy literally said, like, yeah, he left me three voicemails asking for a five-star uh, response. Yeah, so. yeah not, not any response, a five-star response. <laughs> so it's called priming. Um, so anyway, uh, so we found, so that was one example. There's There are other examples of implicit issue failures. Like we did solve the customer's issue, but the way in which we resolved it. So we as a company think, check the box, first contact resolution. We ask the company customer at the end of the call, did I follow, fully resolve your issue today? And they say, they don't say yes. They go, yeah, I guess so. You know, or yeah, I, sus I suppose. And so maybe they didn't feel like, they didn't feel the confidence uh, that the, the rep didn't instill confidence that the problem's actually been resolved. Or maybe they just still don't understand why this happened to begin with. Or maybe they just don't like the answer they were given. Like they they got the answer and the answer was no, and uh, you're not going to get a refund. You're not going to get out of warranty service, whatever it is. And they call back to agent shop, right? They call back to to find a rep who will take pity on them, who will uh, sympathize with their play, I should say, and, and give them what they want. Now, what ends up happening, and we look at the analysis, those explicit issue uh, failures, even though this is kind of like the laser focus for almost every company when it comes to driving first contact resolution up, they're only focused on eliminating human error, keeping systems up you know, uh, close, as close to 100% of the time as possible, et cetera. That actually only accounts for slightly more than 50% 50, 50 of all callbacks. Uh, around the other 50%, slightly less than 50% of all callbacks are because of these implicit issue failures. And what's interesting is that most companies on their journey to drive first contact resolution, resolution higher never actually considered that there was a second category of callback drivers. And so they get pretty frustrated 
with, you know, QA and training and coaching efforts or performance management efforts, uh, technology investments that don't really put a dent uh, in the callback problem, or they they continue to scratch their head about why do our customers set, tell us 75 to 80% of the time that we did resolve their issue, but we look at callback data and we have huge uh, yeah. repeat contact we're, problem. Right? We're crushing FCR, but our call yeah. volume stays the same. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, one of the things that this has always been a problem is how do we find out like what's going on here that's that's driving this repeat contact issue. Uh, but one of the nice things about um, technologies like Tether, uh, conversation analytics, uh, AI, machine learning, is that we can attack this issue of repeat contacts uh, using a much larger data set and using some advanced analytics. So, Ted, I know we've done this project for a few companies. We'll, we'll talk about one in particular, an insurance company that we did this this analysis for and, and some of what we found. But uh, can you talk to us about you know how we get our arms around this repeat contact issue uh, at Tether? Um, you know, what, how do we approach it from a data standpoint? Mm-hmm. What does the data tell us, uh, et cetera? Yeah, I'll start with, you know, how we, we go about studying this and then maybe we can tag team on the, on the, what we found. Cause I do think yeah. it's interesting in some ways, some of those operational findings, you know, and we'll get into here in a minute, uh, maybe do bleed a little bit into the explicit issues, but how we go about, uh, studying this from a, from a tether perspective is, we can look at um, first call resolution and next uh, um, next issue avoidance by identifying phone numbers. So we can study like literally the customer number or the actual phone number from their calling. But then we can also look at it in time intervals too. So it matters whether somebody is calling within you know back within a day or seven days or a month even. And so we can look at it at different time intervals to understand you know a does the is the callback uh, rate change as you look at those different uh, time intervals, and there are are there different issues that drive those callbacks at those different time intervals, and so then what we'll run is an analysis that that correlates, you know, when you look at the issues that you know that drive the volume of repeat contacts. So when is it a second or a third or a fourth callback from that same number or that same customer? What are the issues that tend to be most associated with those uh, with those things? And so that's a that's analysis that we commonly run for our customers. And I think the most powerful versions of those things also then start to root cause it, even in terms of sequencing the conversation too. So you get to understand you know, within that conversation, what types of things happen first, then second, then third, and so forth. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the, you know, when we look at the, um, the findings, so let's think about... Um, uh, if you know using that data, um, one of the things we we do right away, actually, it, and this is one of the biggest surprises I think for our clients, is when we actually help pinpoint the callback window. So this this is going to vary company to company. There's no one answer here. We in the research we recommended to companies that you know rather than asking the customer at the end of the call, "Have I fully resolved your issue today?" Instead, we should be looking at callback rates. But I think the the question people often have is, well, what's the right window, right? Should I measure callbacks within 24 or 48 hours? Should I measure them within seven days, within 30 days? And the answer is, it depends. Uh, and it actually specifically depends on yes. your industry. You know, <laughs> yeah, yes, the all the above. So I'll give you an example of a short callback window. So I think um, a short callback window would be uh, cable, uh, telecom, you know, wireless, mo- you know, mobile slash wireless. The you know uh, financial services as well. So in those in those industries, um, if the if your Wi-Fi is still not working, your TV is still not working, your cell phone is still not working, you're, you know you're not be able to send or receive transfer data, and go through 
Tra- yeah, yeah, any of that stuff. Or yeah, in financial services, if that credit doesn't appear quickly or the transfer doesn't go through or the transaction doesn't happen, because these are like near real-time businesses, you know whether the fix worked or the, whether the transaction went through very quickly, you should expect a callback um, within like a 24-hour to maybe 48-hour window max. Um, now, if you are in a um, in an industry that operates on a monthly billing cycle, like utilities, that might be more like a 30-day window. So you're going to have to cast a broader net because you're not going to know, especially around billing problems, that it drove a callback until the customer gets their next bill, right? Uh, you're not going to see that credit immediately. You know, Not very many people are logging into their you know, electric bill or the water bill online. They're going to wait till they get the next statement, and then they're going to call back if they see a problem. And so these are, it, it really does depend. But one of the things we can do is actually help a company peg. You, you literally see a, uh, imagine a curve that you see a big spike, and at some point it tails off, and we get down to like very small single digits. And then it's it's reasonable then to look at that graphic and say, okay, if we're going to measure callbacks and we're going to assume that the second call or the third or fourth or fifth call that happened within this window from a given customer is is related to the first issue, here is the reasonable time frame within which to do that. So. If I think about this insurance company example, uh, that was one of the big surprises, I think, to their leadership team when we showed them that um, they had been thinking about a very different window. And then we actually showed them, said, for for your company, seven days is the right, right window within which to look at it. Because once you start looking at calls that happen after that point, and we actually dug into it, a lot of those calls are about other issues. They're not about the original issue. So if you want to really see how you're doing from a repeat contact avoidance perspective, look in the seven-day window. But um, so that was the first finding. And then the, the other findings, um, equally fascinating. So we actually found there were uh, three specific categories. And this is this is actually true for almost every company we've uh, we've run this analysis for. The first one, Ted, going to your comment before about operational issues mm-hmm. or, or failures. Um, I, I remember with this insurance company, we showed them that one of the biggest drivers of repeat contacts surprisingly, was uh, long holds or transfers. So, Ted, tell us why that is. Uh, because we because this was a head-scratcher to us at first until we went and listened to the calls. Yeah, people hang up when they yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. You know, it, it, I got a job rocket to do. Science, I gotta, but yeah, look, I got a if, life to if live. we care about perception of these things, it feels from a customer's perspective when that happens, I get transferred. What do I have to do? Now I have to repeat myself. It feels like a second call. And so, you know, and by the way, when I get put on long hold, sometimes I don't have time to wait in that long hold. So again, I hang up and now I have to call back. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that, I mean, it's, it's kind of like you had this, we had this V8 moment where you're like, oh yeah, of course, if you get a message saying, you know, if you're, the rep you're talking to can't solve your issue, they've got to transfer you to somebody else, or they put, or you're on hold and you've been waiting as 15 minutes and you got a Zoom call in like two minutes, I'm just going to hang up and call back, right? It's life takes over and, and you've lost your opportunity to get that issue resolved in the moment. So it'll surprise you, but look at some of those operational issues as as big callback drivers. So we find this is true for almost every company we've done the analysis for. The second one was agent behaviors. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we're going to delve into this in more detail in the next pillar around experience engineering. But we found that there are certain agent behaviors. When I say behaviors, I'm saying not you know well-behaved or poorly behaved or what have you. I'm talking about specifically techniques or skills or utterances and phrases that drive much higher repeat contact rates. They're literally predictive of repeat contacts. So can you tell us just, give us a high level, because again, we're not we're going to go into this in more detail in the next pillar, but let's talk a little bit about um, uh, what we found around behaviors that drive repeat contacts. 
or that help avoid repeat contacts because sure. I think it, yeah. it goes yeah. in both directions, right? Because yep. there, there are definitely uh, situations when agent is super confused about a rather pedestrian issue and no, no surprise, it causes a hang up for that customer who then calls back shopping effectively for another agent. You know, let me go find an agent who can actually help me. Um, and so that's a callback as well. But then on the, on the, on the plus side, and again, we'll get more into this in, in future episodes, but there are definite opportunities. You can see it in our data using categories or concepts we call things like proactive guidance or even advocacy, uh, where what you're looking for are uh, to proactively address issues that you know are related. So I know you're not asking me about this issue, but often, commonly, when customers have this problem, they have these other problems too, or you you will find this happening. I know because I've dealt with customers myself who've called back and talked about these issues that later, five minutes from now, 10 minutes from now, a week from now, you're going to experience this issue. And so I'm going to proactively yeah. raise it as a way to help you now, even though you're not asking me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so those behaviors, that's a, it's a great, that's a great way to get into this, you know, this concept, this pillar of next issue avoidance, right? And so reps can play a tremendous role in terms of providing that guidance, that proactive guidance around, you know, Hey, when you install, think about that example I used before, um, you know, when you install the software patch, if you have any other devices connected to your machine, you might get this other message and that happens. Here's what you do about it. Um, Or, you know, maybe if the answer is complicated and it's not, clear that it's going to happen to me as a customer. Maybe you just give me a ticket number, right? So when I call back, I can punch that in, get yeah. auto-routed to somebody, and I don't have to start over from square one, right? It almost makes you wonder if we should be, if the rep should be asking something like, have I have I resolved any issues you haven't asked me about already? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and by the way, we do know, uh, we hear this all the time, that you know when you get those really great and we'll talk about this in the final pillar, those controller reps who are kind of real subject matter experts. Boy, you you want to spend that time banging out your punch list with that, that rep because they can sure. take care of all yep. the problems, right? If I think about the behaviors, you know, some of the other ones that we'll talk about in terms of driving repeat contacts. So this is this always comes up when we do this analysis uh, for individual companies, is that there's certain negative behaviors like rep confusion, uh, negative language, uh, powerless to help is what we call. When you know the the phrases and rep the uh, phrases and utterances that reps use, where they're kind of hiding behind policy, right? I can't do that. I won't do that. The policy prevents me from doing that, so on and so forth. And these things can be huge callback drivers. Um, just it frustrates customers, and they just say, you know what? Um, to you know, to hell with this. I'm going to hang up, and I'm going to call back. I'm going to agent shop. So. So we always he was, find he was those, about to swear, but this is a G-rated I was, podcast. A G, so. It is a G-rated podcast, so <laughs> we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it clean, keep it wholesome, because we know we got kids listening to this too. So <laughs> uh, we are popular so, with that under ten crowd. <laughs> if your kids are listening to this, they need to get outside. <laughs> they, they need to get into other hobbies. So um, the last, you know, thing we talked about this next issue avoidance concept and. That is really, uh, I'll share with you, with you the example from the insurance company. This always surprises companies when, when we show them how issue types overlap with repeat contact rates. And one of the specific things we found for this insurance company, there were, there were some issues that were slightly more complicated that ended up driving a higher volume of repeat contacts. But what was really surprising to them was that they had a product, and, and every insurance company has this product now, so you, you won't know who it is if I share this. But uh, what's called telematics. So for for those of you who have this or have subscribed to it with your insurer, telematics is when we uh, we allow the insurance company to monitor our vehicle speed, you know, 
aggressive driving using like an app or sometimes it's a little you know thing you install in the car and if we drive safely we may have seen the aaron Rodgers commercials right uh they he talks about you know hey i get my i get my discount for safe driving that's kind of what we're talking about here and that's a product that most Wait, insurance State Farm has commercials i haven't seen any i know <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right um so uh but almost every insurance company offers this these days is this the safe driver monitoring and, and if you drive safely it'll translate to a discount but they need permission to monitor your driving now this is complicated technology and there, there are privacy issues and concerns that customers have. What this insurance company found, or what we found when we looked into it was that telematics ended up driving a huge volume of repeat contacts. And what was we met, went back and looked at the uh, the call data, what we found was that telematics had like five sub-issues there. It was like, how do I sign up? Um, what happens if I, you know, I speed once, like, is my insurance rate going to go up? Like, when will I see the discount? Like, what kind of, you know, can I earn if I, if I'm not driving safely, but can I like earn it back by, you know, driving safely and reproving myself and all the, like, people have a lot of questions about this. Like, what are you going to do with the data? Is it, you know, it, what, you know, is my privacy going to be respected, et cetera, et cetera. And are you going to tell the police that I've been speeding, you know, these kinds of questions. And um, what happens is a customer calls in and they only ask like one or two of those questions and and it, they don't the other questions don't occur to them until after they get off the phone and then they're leaning over the fence talking to their neighbor about it and their neighbor says hey do you know if your insurance company tells the police that you're a chronic speeder if they have the ability to monitor you and you're thinking huh i forgot to ask that question so you call back and so what we were able to show this particular insurance company is that look anytime a customer calls about telematics there's like an 80% chance they're going to call back with with some co- a question that occurred to them after the fact so what you should do with your reps, quite literally, is print out a piece of paper, laminate it, have them post it up in their cue ball, and every time a customer calls about telematics, answer these five questions, even if the customer is only answering, asking one or two of them, because they'll call back about the other ones regardless, yeah. especially if that's their first phone call. So great way to think about not just resolving the issue the customer called about, but forward resolving the issue they might call back about. Yeah, I love that. So what you're saying is that there are issues that kind of nest underneath each other, yes. right? Yeah. And for for a specific agent, they might not, you know, know or or maybe make that association. And it's only when looking at those time intervals and then, you know, cross-referencing effectively. Um, I'm oversimplifying some advanced analysis that our data team would do, but you're basically looking at when do these things co-occur and in what sort of level, right? So yeah, this thing, right. this thing always happens. It's kind of the root issue, but occasionally these three or four other things kind of nest underneath. And sometimes you get down to that fourth or fifth related issue, and better to get those out now to avoid that next call. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So again, huge area of of opportunity for almost every company is this idea of repeat uh, reducing repeat contacts. It is a huge source of customer effort. Um, we found in our, our latest analysis, I think that it's still one of the falls in the lose-lose box of it's really painful, causes a lot of effort, and it happens a lot. So as a research mentor of mine and Ted's used to say, there's food for many winters uh, in terms of eliminating, in this case, eliminating repeat contacts. And so- Okay, man, um, that's the second podcast in a row where you've said food for many winters. Oh, no, really? No I didn't more, know I said, no more okay. references to food for many winters. I finally <laughs> stopped telling everyone my title, but I'm apparently using the same line. So, okay. So next, in our next episode- It's still true, not hear me it's say still, that. It's still <laughs> true. It's still it true. true. It is true. But I promise in the next pillar, the next episode, we're going to be talking about experience engineering, and you will not 
hear me say <laughs> my title or food for anyone. This is so. great. Now you have incentive to listen to the next one so you can hold him accountable, folks. Correct. Make Correct. sure this is make sure Dixon does not say food for many winters <laughs> in the next episode. Exactly. Well, thanks for tuning in here. Hopefully you enjoyed this, giving you a different lens or a way to think about tackling this problem, which let's face it, has been a problem for a really long time for a lot of companies or maybe every company. And so it's high time we put a dent in it. And so uh, hopefully we gave you some perspective on how to do that. And so join us next time. We're going to be talking about experience engineering, really be delving into these agent behaviors and what our reps can say or do to either make effort worse or to actually reduce effort. And so really dig into the human side on our next podcast. So until then, thanks for joining us. Thanks everyone. Mm-hmm.